Unleavened Bread Ministries presents From your hands, your feet, your side Unleavened Bread Bible Studies with David Eels Can quench my thirsting soul Purest water make me whole Let your streams of mercy flow Oh Jesus, I trust in you Greetings, saints. Many blessings to you. Thank you for joining us today for the Unleavened Bread Bible Study. Father, thank you, Lord, for anointing and blessings uh, so that this meeting will be understood very clearly and uh, uh, people will be ready to leave Babylonish religion and enter into the wilderness with you, Lord. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Amen. Okay, we're going to call this Apostate Church Witchcraft, number one. All right. I'm going to start out with the Merchants of Babylon. Well, in the book of Revelation, only those that have the mark of the beast can buy and sell. Revelation 13 and 17 says, No man should be able to buy or to sell, save he that hath the mark even the name of the beast or the number of his name. But they will not escape God's wrath in the near future, for sure. Those marked with the beast are marked for destruction. Isaiah 24 and 1 says, Behold, the Lord maketh the earth empty and maketh it waste and turneth it upside down and scattereth abroad the inhabitants thereof. Can you picture that? Hmm. And it shall be, as with the people, so with the priest, and as with the servant, so with his master, and as with the maid, so with her mistress, and as with the buyer, so with the seller, and as with the creditor, so with the debtor, and as with the taker of interest, so with the giver of interest to him. Things that God has spoken against, you know, buying, selling, interest, so on and so forth. The earth shall be utterly emptied and utterly laid waste, for the Lord has spoken this word. Okay, we're focusing on this buying and selling thing. Uh, for the true meaning in this parable of buying and selling, we got to look for the hidden manna, right? In Revelation 2 and 17, we're told, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith to the churches. To him that overcometh, to him will I give of the hidden manna, and I will give him a white stone, and upon the stone a new name written, which no one knoweth but he that receiveth it. So God's people are partaking of the hidden manna. He said a lot of parables, and uh, there's, the answers are always in the Scriptures. And we'll look at Luke uh 10 and 21. In that same hour, he rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that thou didst hide these things from the wise and understanding, and didst reveal them unto babes. Yea, Father, for so it was well pleasing in thy sight. So we know that um, the letter 
you know, which is what's seen by everybody, actually, kills. But the Spirit gives life. So God can only give the Spirit to those that are His, right? Uh, even if the uh, wicked come in and get some of the Spirit revelation, they won't keep it. They'll lose it. As, is, as we've seen when people fall into faction, it's all taken from them. They go back to their foolishness very quickly. The devil steals the seed that was sown in their heart. Second Corinthians 3 and 6, Who also made us sufficient as ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. And Jesus spoke Spirit during his ministry to the disciples. John 6 and 53 says, Jesus therefore said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have not life in yourselves. It's the Spirit that giveth life. The flesh profiteth nothing. And the words that I have spoken unto you are Spirit and are life. So even though there may be men who pick out the Spirit and they receive the revelation of the Spirit and they give it to others, the others um, that are righteous and pure and holy and continue on with the Lord will keep that and the rest will lose it. So the uh, book of Revelation is called the Testimony of Jesus. Revelation 1 and 2 says, who bear witness of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ, even of all things that he saw. I, John, your brother and partaker with you in the tribulation and kingdom and patience which are in Jesus, was in the isle that is called Patmos for the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. Yes, God revealed his testimony through his Apostles and disciples. The uh, testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. 19 and 10. And I fell down before his feet to worship him. And he saith unto me, See thou do it not. I am a fellow servant with thee and with thy brethren that hold the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Yes, for which the saints are killed by the false prophets who only see the letter. Yep, they're, um, the leaders of apostasy uh, always see the letter, and they'll crucify you for the spirit of prophecy. And 20 and 4 says, And I saw thrones, and they that sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them, and I saw the souls of them that had been beheaded for the testimony of Jesus, which is what? The spirit of the prophecy. And for the word of God, and such as worshipped not the beast, neither his image, and received not the mark upon their forehead and upon their hand. And they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. Well, Revelation means an uncovering or unveiling. And it is the Spirit, not the letter, that does this. It's an unveiling, right? You can see the letter all day, but if you don't get the Spirit, you don't have the Spirit of the prophecy, which is the real revelation. And it is a sign. 
Revelation 1 and 1 says, the revelation of Jesus Christ. In other words, the unveiling. Something is hidden here, you see. Uh, all the way through the New Testament, as a matter of fact, there is a hidden revelation, okay? Uh, which God gave to show unto his servants even the things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John, who bear witness of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ, even of all things that he saw. Again, the testimony is the spirit of the prophecy, not the letter. The ones who bought and sold were destroyed by the fire in Lot's day. Luke 17 and 28 says, Likewise, even as it came to pass in the days of Lot, they ate, they drank, they bought, they sold. They planted, they builded. But in the day that Lot went out from Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Paul taught that those who do evil are sold under sin. In Romans 7 and 14, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For that which I do I know not, for not what I would that do I practice, but what I hate that I do. Well, uh, Ahab, who was a type of the beast, sold his soul to do evil at the instigation of the harlot Jezebel in 1 Kings 21, 25 on. But there was none like unto Ahab who did sell himself to do that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. Jezebel, his wife, stirred him up. And Ahab said to Elijah, Hast thou found me, O mine enemy? And he answered, I have found thee because thou hast sold thyself to do that which is evil in the sight of the Lord. Okay, he sold himself. He did what he wasn't supposed to do. It bribed him and he turned away from the truth. In 2 Kings 17 and 17, those that worshipped the image of the beast sold themselves. In other words, if you please your flesh, you are selling yourself to the devil because the flesh is at enmity with God. Those that, in this chapter... Uh, those that worshiped the image of the beast sold themselves and caused their children to go through the fire. And they caused their sons and their daughters to pass through the fire and used divination and enchantments and sold themselves to do that which was evil in the sight of the Lord, to provoke him to anger. In verse 18, And therefore the Lord was very angry with Israel and removed them out of his sight, and there was none left but the tribe of Judah only. Yes, that was Second Kings 17, 17 and 18. Many in these days are like 
Esau, who for one mess of meat, and I, I jokingly say that this is called following after the flesh, <laughs> sold his own birthright. Um, true. Yeah, for one mess of meat, he sold his birthright. Astounding. Hebrews 12 and 16, and was rejected. Yes, he was. For you know that even when he afterwards desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected. Yeah, the Greek word there is reprobate, right? For he found no place for a change of mind in his father, though he sought it diligently and with tears. So Jesus uh, rejected those in the temple, uh, Christians in the New Testament, who bought and sold, Mark 11 and 15. And they come to Jerusalem, and he entered into the temple and began to cast out them that sold and them that bought in the temple and overthrew the temples of the money changers the tables, excuse me, of the money changers, and the seats of them that sold the doves. So this was, of course, a symbol that uh, they wouldn't be in the temple, those who bought and sold. And we'll look more at this, at what this actually means. You know, the, the foolish virgins missed the Lord because they went to buy from them that sold. Matthew 25 and 10. And while they went away to buy, the bridegroom came. That wasn't an accident. And they that were ready went with, in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. They obviously were used to dealing with the hirelings, the merchants of Babylon, and they were rejected. Jesus told his ministers, Freely you have received, freely give. Get you no gold, nor silver, nor brass in your purses. This is true. I mean, they're, they're, uh, they're buying and selling. They're selling their wares, you know, but it's not so among the disciples, and we still have to obey Jesus. Matthew 10, 8 and 9. They had to walk by faith with no salaries, no corruption. You can't hire God's ministers, but then you can't fire them either. Some will say, buy the truth and sell it not. Proverbs 23 and 23. But the truth cannot be bought with money. Isaiah 55 and 1. Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters. And he that hath no money, Come ye, buy and eat. Yea, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Wherefore do you spend money for that which is not bread? A lot of people do it. And your labor for that which satisfieth not? Hearken diligently unto me, and eat ye that which is good. And let your soul delight itself in fatness. Incline your ear, and come unto me. Hear, and your soul shall live, and I will make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of David. So if the truth could be bought with money, the rich would have an unfair advantage. 
which contradicts what Jesus said. Uh, like in Matthew 19 and 23, he said, Verily I say unto you, it's hard for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. And again I say unto you, it is easier for a camel to go through the, a needle's eye than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. So, we can only buy the truth with the cost of our own life. I mean, you have to go seeking it. You have to seek it more than you seek other things if you want the truth. It has to be important to you. You have to give up your life and your way to go find it. John 7 and 17, If any man willeth to do his will, he shall know of the teaching whether it is of God or whether I speak from myself. And Peter said, Thy silver perish with thee because thou hast thought to obtain the gift of God with money. That's Acts 8 and 20. So to buy a lie, you must sell your soul. In a way, all those who buy and sell the merchandise, the teaching, the thinking, the actions of Babylon, which is, represents apostate religion, are the merchants of Babylon. And Revelation 18.11 says, And the merchants of the earth weep and mourn over her, for no man buyeth their merchandise any more. The merchants of these things, who were made rich by her, shall stand afar off for the fear of her torment, weeping and mourning. So the rich young ruler was bribed, he was bought out by materialism to not follow Jesus. And uh, many buy convenient Babylonish doctrines like this, and they sell their eternal lives. Luke 14 and 18 says, And they all with one consent began to make excuse. The first said unto him, I have bought a field, and I must needs go out and see it. And I pray thee have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to prove them. I pray thee have me excused. Always excuses, excuses. And it was them wanting to spend their money for something that they lusted after that was more important to them than following the Lord. Matthew 13 and 22. And he that was sown among the thorns, this is he that heareth the word and the care of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becometh unfruitful. So they sell their soul for the pleasures of sin for a season. The treasures of Egypt are worth more than the reproach of Christ to them. Hebrews 11 and 25, Choosing rather to share ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Accounting the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. For he looked unto the recompense of reward. Yes, the eternal reward. Some people just want the here and now. 
riches and tr- and uh, trophies and so on and so forth. But we have to look for our eternal reward. We must sell our worldly life to buy our heavenly life, which is made possible by the sacrifice of Jesus' life. And the body of Christ was sacrificed so that the corporate body of Christ would have power to sacrifice their lives. Matthew 16 and 24 says, Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever would save his life shall lose it, and whosoever shall lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what shall a man be profited if he shall gain the whole world and forfeit his life? The things that are important are important for eternity. The things that are important only in this life, uh, people will be bribed, they'll be bought out to pay attention to these things rather than the eternal things. Or what shall a man give in exchange for his life? So riches will soon be worth nothing but wrath. Ezekiel 7 and 12 says, The time is come, the day draweth near. Let not the buyer rejoice, nor the seller mourn. For wrath is upon all the multitude thereof. They shall cast their silver in the streets. Their gold shall be as an unclean thing. Their silver and their gold shall not be able to deliver them in the day of the wrath of the Lord. And they shall not satisfy their souls, neither fill their bowels, because it hath been the stumbling block of their iniquity. As it was also in the parable of the sower, right? In verse 20, As for the beauty of his ornament, he set it in majesty, but they made the images of their abominations and their detestable things therein. Therefore have I made it unto them as an unclean thing. In uh, Revelation 6 and 6, And I heard, as it were, a voice in the midst of the four living creatures, saying, A measure of wheat for a shilling and three measures of barley for a shilling, and the oil and the wine hurt thou not. So, we see that um, God is going to curse the blessings of the earth, right? That people have put all their hope in. One reason there is such an emphasis on buying and selling is because Christians don't obey God's word and walk by faith in the area of giving and receiving. This you get a reward for. Jesus commanded us to give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall they give into your bosom. That's Luke 6 and 38. Well, an opportunity to give is an opportunity to receive it back multiplied, according to Jesus. Or it is an opportunity to sit on or eat the seed. You know, you sow the seed and it gets multiplied, right? God gives to us not to make us rich, 
but to multiply your seed for sowing. 2 Corinthians 9 and 10. So that's the purpose that he gives to you. It's not to make you uh, uh, fat and healthy in this life or rich in this life, you know. It is to make sure you keep sowing that seed and multiplying it back so you can sow a, a bigger seed, right? Second Corinthians 9 and 6, He that soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he that soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. The, well, the woman with the two mites, uh, she gave, it wasn't the amount that she had that counted, it was what she had left that counted. She gave bountifully more than all of those rich Pharisees. So God follows this with this promise. He says in verse 8, And God is able to make all grace abound unto you, that you, having always all sufficiency in everything, may abound unto every good work. Yes. And it's going to happen. It never fails. God's word comes to pass. And on the other hand, he that sits on or he eats his seed will have to buy and sell because he is disobedient and has no faith. And this is where the merchants of Babylon are. They make the father's house a house of merchandise. John 2 and 16. And when they peddle the word for salaries like the world, peddling books and tapes and trinkets and chicken dinners and tours and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, it's the way of the world. And for those who have an impoverished God, they don't have any faith in God to supply their needs if they do His will. And they're not doing His will. So they make merchandise of the Word of God. Second Corinthians 2 and 17 in the Greek. Why would anyone who believed the above promises do this? When a person is not sent by God, he does not have faith that God shall supply every need. Philippians 4 and 19. And where God sends, he supplies. And without God's supernatural supply, people have to resort to other tactics to support their ministry. And I emphasize their ministry, like buying and selling. Does this mean that God won't test you? You know, bring you to the very edge of the cliff while you're looking over? I've been there many times. No, it doesn't mean he won't test you. But you endure that test because you have faith in the God who supplies your every need according to his riches and glory, right? And another tactic these ministers use is to put God's people under the law to support them when the Scripture clearly states that our giving is not of necessity. The law was necessity, wasn't it? But it says not of necessity, Second Corinthians 9 and 7. Let each man do according as he hath purposed in his heart. And, uh, of course, that's not according to law which is a tithe, right? Not grudgingly or necessity. That's not according to law, right? For God loveth a cheerful giver. He wants people giving from the heart, not because they have to, right? That's the Old Testament. 
So in the New Testament, God wants an offering from the heart from those born of his spirit. God made the old covenant with the Jews, not the church. If a doctrine like tithing is not in the new covenant, then it was never made with you. Okay, he made the law with them. And it was a meantime thing until the promise should come uh, to whom it was due, which was Jesus and all those in him. Jesus, rebuking those under the old covenant, said, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint and anise and cumin. That's even their seasoning, right? And have left undone the weightier matters of the law. So he said tithing was of the law. Justice, mercy, and faith. But these you ought to have done, past tense, in all ancient manuscripts and the received text. You should have done this because you were under the law, right? And not to have left the others undone. Matthew 23 and 23. So Jesus said tithing was of the law and in the past. Some say tithing was before the law. Well, so was circumcision and animal sacrifice before the law. But they were included in the law. And we are not under the law to do them anymore. Paul also said tithing was of the law. Hebrews 7 and 5. And they indeed of the sons of Levi that received the priest's office have commandment, that's of the law, to take tithes of the people according to the law. That is, of their brethren, though these have come out of the loins of Abraham. And verse 6, But he whose genealogy is not counted from them hath taken tithes of Abraham, and hath blessed him that hath the promises. But without any dispute, the less is blessed of the better. And here men that die receive tithes. But there one of whom it is witnessed that he liveth. And so to say, through Abraham, even Levi, who receiveth tithes, hath paid tithes. Mm-hmm. For he was yet in the loins of his father when Melchizedek met him. Now, if there was perfection through the Levitical priesthood, for under it hath the people received the law, what further need was there that another priest should arise after the order of Melchizedek and not be reckoned after the order of Aaron, which was the law, right? So there is no New Testament command or request to tithe because we are no longer stewards of 10%, according to Jesus. Jesus taught that we have to renounce ownership of the other 90% or we cannot be his disciple. Luke 14 and 33. So therefore, whosoever he be of you, that renounceth not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. All here means all possessions, rights, will, money, everything. It's not yours. You are a steward now. You are not an owner. 
That's it. We even must renounce our doctrine. It must be the Lord's doctrine. Since we have the Spirit, we don't need a law. We are under the law of the Spirit. Romans 8 and 2. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus made me free from the law of sin and of death. Now that's the Old Testament law. Okay. We've been made free. The Spirit will tell where to give and how much and to whom. If everyone gave according to the Spirit, the kingdoms of men would crumble and true ministers would be supported. A person who is under the tithing law robs God because he will disobey the Spirit's command to meet the needs of the brethren around him in order to bring his tithe into the storehouse, which is Old Testament, which to them is usually an apostate religious system, that storehouse, right? Uh, that won't meet the brethren's needs. By the way, many have squealed about this. You know, they went to the church to try to get some help and they couldn't get any. So the storehouse in the Old Covenant was in the temple, that building, right? First Kings 7 and 51. Thus all the work that King Solomon wrought in the house of the Lord was finished. And Solomon brought in the things which David his father had dedicated, even the silver and the gold and the vessels, and put them in the treasuries of the house of the Lord. Mm-hmm. But in the New Testament, the storehouse is in the people who are his temple. Matthew 25 and 34. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come, ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Hmm. For I was hungry, and you gave me to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. Notice it's people, right? Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick. And you visited me. I was in prison, and you came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee hungry, and fed thee, or thirst, and gave thee drink? And when saw we thee a stranger, and took thee in, or naked, and clothed thee? And when saw we thee sick, or in prison, and came unto thee? And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as you did it unto one of these my brethren, even these least, you did it unto me. Hmm. Sounds like people are more important than the building. Right? 41. Then shall he say unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed into eternal fire, which is prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you did not give me to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. Again, he's talking about those people who are his people. What did you do to feed, to meet their needs, and so on? I was a stranger, and you took me not in, naked, and you clothed me not, sick, 
and in prison, and you visited me not? Then shall they also answer, saying, Lord, we saw, when saw we thee hungry, or thirst, or stranger, or naked, or sick, or a prison, and did not minister unto thee? Then shall he answer them, saying, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as you did it not unto one of these least, you did it not unto me. And these shall go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Now we're seeing a bunch of corrupt people being raised up who claim to be Christians who will not only not give to you, they will steal from you. All of the faction will steal from you. Any of them that ever had an opportunity to do that did it. And they claim to be Christians. But you see here what happens to them, right? Eternal punishment. You see, we are called to meet the needs of the brethren. These are the temple in the New Testament, as, as is plainly stated there all over. 1 John 3 and 16, Hereby know we love, because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whosoever hath the world's goods, and beholdeth his brother in need, and shutteth up his compassion from him, how doth the love of God abide in him? True. So giving according to the Spirit causes one to fulfill the law without being under the law. Uh-huh. Matthew 5 and 17. Think not that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I came not to destroy but to fulfill. So if you give all to the kingdom, are you not fulfilling the 10%? Well, of course. But if you're under the law of 10%, you're stealing the rest of it from God because in the New Testament, you're just a steward of all of it, like Jesus said. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass away, one shot or one little, one tittle shall in no wise pass away from the law till all things be accomplished. So when we uh, are under grace and we do what God puts into our heart, we're always going to fulfill the law without being under the law. If you go back under the law, you're under a curse. That's what the Bible says. For instance, a person who gives bountifully will fulfill the 10% and more, but they do it from the heart and are not seeking to earn God's approval as those under the law. We're not righteous before God when we attempt to please Him by the law, whether ties observing the Sabbath or circumcision or abstaining from meats, etc., etc., it doesn't matter. If You're looking at the type and shadow of the good things to come in the New Testament, as Paul said. Galatians 2 and 16, Yet knowing that a man is not justified, which means accounted righteous, by the works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. Even we believed on Christ Jesus, that we might be justified by faith in Christ, and not by the works of the law. Because by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. And uh, 3.11, uh, Now, that no man is justified by the law before God is evident, for the righteous shall live by faith. 
If we rest every day from our own works, we certainly fulfill the Sabbath without being under the letter of the law. The Sabbath was to cease from your works. It was made for man to rest one day. Now we rest every day because we rest from our works, our self-works, our legalistic works every day. The righteousness of the law is self-righteousness because it is powered by self. But righteousness shall live by faith. The righteous shall live by faith. Uh, Galatians 3.11 And when ministers of Babylon put you under the law, they separate you from God's righteousness and bring you under a curse. Except your righteousness shall exceed that of the scribes and Pharisees, that's the law of the tithe included, you shall in no wise enter into the kingdom of heaven. Matthew 5 and 20. The law is a yoke of bondage. Galatians 5 and 1 through 3. For freedom did Christ set us free. Stand fast, therefore, and be not entangled again in a yoke of bondage. That's the law. Behold, I, Paul, say unto you that if you receive circumcision, Christ will profit you nothing. Yea, I testify again to every man that receiveth circumcision, or the tithing, or the Sabbath, or the meats, or the, all these things, uh, that he is a debtor to do the whole law. So they brought you under the law because they knew that you would not give, if you gave according to the Spirit, you would not give to them. Uh, okay? So they're bringing you under the law, and now you've got to keep the rest of the law. Uh-oh. If you're under any part of the law, you are under the curse of having to keep the whole law. And since that is impossible, you are separated from Christ. Galatians 3 and 10. For as many as are of the works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who continueth not in all things that are written in the book of the law to do them. 5 and 4. You are severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law. You are fallen away from grace. Notice those who put you under the law cut you off from Christ and grace. You cannot hear the voice of Christ and the voice of the law at the same time. There are two different natures, two different covenants. You are not under the law, 5 and 18. The merchants of Babylon say, you're not under the law, <laughs> when they are talking about obedience to the word. But bring your tithes into the storehouse when they talk of money, and they've turned it into the letter of the storehouse, which is their building, instead of the people. So in covetousness shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you. Second Peter 2 and 3. In verse 1 of this text, we are told this is uh, the false prophets and teachers who bring in destructive heresies, the law is one, and deny Jesus. 
They deny Jesus by separating him from his body. Forsaking the right way, they went astray, having followed the way of Balaam, a false Jesus, who loved the higher of wrongdoing. 15. Friends, if you know a minister, one of the few who walks by faith and and freely gives the true doctrine of God, support him as the Scriptures teach. 1 Corinthians 9 and 6. Or I only and Barnabas, have we not a right to forbear working? What soldier ever serveth at his own charges? Who planteth a vineyard, and he eateth not the fruit thereof? Or who feedeth a flock, and eateth not the milk of the flock? Do I speak these things after the manner of men? Or saith not the law also the same? For it is written in the law of Moses, Thou shalt not muzzle the ox when he treadeth out the corn. Is it for the oxen that God careth? Or saith he assuredly for our sake? Yea, for our sake it is written. Because he that ploweth ought to plow in hope, and he that thresheth to thresh in hope of partaking. And if we sowed unto you spiritual things, is it any great matter if we shall reap of your carnal things? If others partake of this right over you, do not we yet more? Nevertheless, we did not use this right. They didn't demand a law. They didn't demand the right. Okay, But we bear all things that we may cause no hindrance to the gospel of Christ. Know ye not that they that minister about sacred things, in verse 13, uh, eat of the things of the temple. And they that wait upon the altar have their portion with the altar. The Word will be our judge as to whether we are buying and selling with the world or whether we're giving freely as the church of God. Okay, I'm going to share some um, parables here with you. We're going to call this one Witchcraft in Apostate Churches. Tiana Fire, 12, 8, 22. I dreamt that we were driving through a town, but we stopped to get paper and pens from a shop. Samuel waited in the car, and there was only one shop in this town that sold items like a general store. It looked like it used to be white, but it was now a dark and dirty white, and it was very old and didn't look like it was well taken care of. Hmm. Sounds like the church. The building was an 1800-style house that had uh, been converted into a shop. A shop, of course, is where you buy and sell. <laughs> So, the old dirty store represents the apostate church where the true gospel that was once given is now sold. It has been polluted by religion and false leadership. Mm-hmm. And uh, we can go to Matthew 23 and 27. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you 
are like whited sepulchers, which outwardly appear beautiful. Oh, they have some beautiful churches out there, right? But inwardly are full of dead men's bones and of all uncleanness. Well, so it was that way then. It's certainly that way now. Luke 11 and 39. And the Lord said unto him, Now ye, the Pharisees, cleanse the outside of the cup and of the platter, but your inward part is full of extortion and wickedness. When I got into the shop, she said, it was packed with people all standing around, and there was also a very long queue. Well, there are many people looking for the truth, but uh, they are not getting it from the false apostate leaders, just as it was in Jesus' day. They had a few items for sale in the part where everyone was waiting, but most of the items were kept out in the back of the shop and also in the basement, which was blocked off to the customers. You know, it's kind of like the Mormons and the JWs. They hide a lot of teachings that they know are unacceptable to other Christians. They only reveal these things after they feel that they have you captured or on the hook. The false leadership in the apostate churches merchandise very little truth, which they sell to the sheep because they don't have the real gospel to give them. And Matthew 23 and 13 says, But woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you shut the kingdom of heaven against men. For you enter not in yourselves, neither suffer ye them that are entering in to enter. Colossians 1, 26 and 27. Even the mystery which hath been hid for ages and generations, but now hath it been manifested to his saints, to whom God was pleased to make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Well, they don't have that hope. They don't give people that hope. This is why we're here. 1 Corinthians 2, 6 and 7. We speak wisdom, however, among them that are full grown, yet a wisdom not of this world, nor of the rulers of this world, who are coming to naught. But we speak God's wisdom in a mystery, even the wisdom that hath been hidden, which God foreordained before the worlds unto our glory. They're hidden. You have to search for it. You have to search for it like you're searching for gold. You have to dig right? So, to get what you wanted, you had to wait in line to ask the cashier lady if they stocked it, and if they did, you had to wait around until she went and got it. It's not readily available. You know, it doesn't come right off of their tongue out of their brain because they don't have it there. I had one preacher say, well, uh, uh, let me go. I think I have a book on this. (laughs) Well, I gave the answer while he was gone looking for a book, you know. The answer is is plain when people read the Scriptures and they're into the Spirit of the Word. 
Well, waiting around for supplies represents the Nicolaitan error. Yeah. Revelation two fourteen through 17 But I have a few things against thee, because thou hast there some that hold the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel to eat things sacrificed to idols and to commit fornication. You know that these apostate churches are just idols to these people. You bring the truth to them, they go back to their idol. They go back to their idol. And they eat things sacrificed to idols. That The food that they serve, the spiritual food that they serve, is sacrificed to idols. So hast thou also some of them that hold the teaching of the Nicolaitans in like manner, which God said he hated, by the way. Repent, therefore, or else I come to thee quickly, and I will make war against them with the sword of my mouth. He that hath an ear... Let him hear what the Spirit saith to the churches. To him that overcometh, to him will I give of the hidden manna. There it is. And I will give him a white stone, and upon the stone a new name written, which no one knoweth, but he that receiveth it. Mm-hmm. So you had to be an overcomer. You can't be a preacher without being an overcomer. To him that overcometh will I give authority, you see. So there are a lot of people that came up another way, just as Jesus said today, just like they did in his day. There were also people in the queue who hadn't even found out if the shop stocked or even sold their item yet. So people go to the same church for years looking for Jesus, waiting and never find what they came for and became lukewarm, and they're just accepting what they hear. Everyone seemed very distressed because it was taking such a long time, and there were so many people. While I was there, I didn't see anyone receive the item that they were waiting for. (laughs) Many in apostasy are in distress continuously praying for healing and provisions and for God to answer prayer, never learning how to receive their needs by faith and prayer. And no one learns how to minister to others. They expect the pastor to do everything because he's the one in charge and he's the one that got the education and he came back to give it to us instead of us looking in the book and getting it straight from the Lord. And this is a part of the Nicolaitan error, too. As I waited in line, I overheard someone talking about Jesus, which made me very excited. I joined in their conversation, and they professed to love Jesus. However, they seemed to be religious and and not understanding spiritual things. But I was still so happy to be able to speak about Jesus and God's Word. Then many other people in there heard us talking about God And they confessed to love Jesus, too. I was so happy that there were so many people who loved our Lord. But do they? Hmm. You have to find that out. I started speaking with this married couple who had young children, and I I blessed and I prayed for the children. I then stood closer to them on their right. And as I did, I accidentally came too close to a man with his son. 
This man got very angry and upset with me, and I apologized. And I told him that I loved him and his son, and I desired God's blessings and love and joy to be upon them both. He became offended at that, and he said that he was a Christian. <laughs> that, that must mean everything. You know, you've got it all, right? You're a Christian. And he thought uh, that I was rude. Well, um, she gives an NENT, uh, Philippians 1, 9 and 10. And this I pray, that your love abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all discernment, so that you may approve the things that are excellent, and that you may be sincere and void of offense unto Christ's day. You know who are the big offense people? Faction and witchcraft. They're offended at everything and the dumbest things. And they make up things in their mind to be offended about. Crazy. Some people are easily defended, unable to come closer to those who are full of love of Christ. Proverbs 18 and 19, A brother offended is harder to be won than a strong city. And such contentions are like the bars of a castle. Yep, they don't want freedom. Proverbs 19.11 The discretion of a man maketh him slow to anger, and it is his glory to pass over a transgression. Yes. And the Bible says, Anger resteth in the bosom of a fool. Do you understand? So I spoke blessing on him and moved on speaking with other Christians, and sharing the real good news. It turned out that every person in this shop was a professing Christian. <laughs> the lady who worked there said that because everyone there were Christians, that we should all discuss a topic. That's what they want to do, always bring you under control, right? They don't want you to come forth with some of this wild stuff, you know, that will actually get you saved, you know. Someone shouted to discuss God's glory. She then brought up a slideshow on a big giant screen that was behind her, which had Bible verses related to glory. That's kind of like, well, I don't really know what it is, but uh, let's look at all this, you know. People started uh, sharing their man-made doctrine that used only partial Scripture and not the sum of thy word. 1 Timothy 6, 3-5 through 5, If any man teacheth a different doctrine and consenteth not to sound words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which is according to godliness, he is puffed up, knowing nothing, but doting upon questionings and disputes of words, whereof, whereof cometh envy, strife, railings, evil surmisings, wranglings of men corrupted in mind, and bereft of the truth, supposing that godliness is a way of gain. Psalm 119 and 160, The sum of thy word is truth. And every one of thy righteous ordinances endureth forever. So don't leave anything out. Truth, aletheia, nothing left out, is what it means. Someone said that as soon as we start believing in Jesus, that we then have God's glory, and nothing else needs to be done. 
Someone else said that God loves everyone, and everyone will be saved. I felt love for all of the people, but I knew what they were saying wasn't true, and I desired for them to know the truth. <laughs> Matthew 15 and 9. But in vain do they worship me, teaching as their doctrines the precepts of men. 2 Timothy 4, 3 and 4. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but having itching ears will heap to themselves teachers after their own lusts, and will turn away their ears from the truth, and turn aside unto fables. Mm-hmm. And I was sharing testimonies about what God uh, has done for me and what He has shown me, and as much truth I could without getting into teaching. They brought up scriptures and used them out of context to say that we are saved automatically when we start believing in Jesus and that nothing else is required. Yep, we don't want to grow up. Let's don't do that. They also spoke about how we are already purified and it doesn't need to manifest on earth, that we will all be the same in heaven. Another big demon doctrine. So the apostate church has uh, very little truth and see only the letter, but error after the teachings of their leadership who are not filled with the Holy Spirit and many times aren't even saved. The once saved, always saved is just one of their false doctrines. 1 Timothy 4 and 1, But the Spirit saith expressly that in latter times some shall fall away from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of demons. I was then reminded of these verses, and this is N-E-N-T, 1 Corinthians 15, 39-44. All flesh is not the same flesh, but there is one flesh of men, another flesh of beasts, and another flesh of birds, and another flesh of fishes. There are also celestial bodies and bodies terrestrial. But the glory of the celestial is one, and the glory of the terrestrial is another. In other words, heavenly and earthly, right? There is one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars. For one star differeth from another star in glory, right? So you don't get it all when you get saved. You you climb this ladder, star glory, moon glory, and sun glory. You go through these stages, as Paul talked about, of gaining his glory, and that's 30, 60, and 100-fold. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, and it is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. Yes, and that spiritual body is being created by our works, which are in Christ. I knew that these verses revealed what they believe wasn't correct. I wanted to quote these verses to them, but then I realized it might be teaching, so I didn't say anything I stood there confused about why all these Christians who profess they love Jesus 
are twisting the word and are unaware of the real meaning. I asked God why he didn't want them to know about the star, moon, and sun glory uh, and about spirit, soul, and body manifesting Jesus on earth. I then uh, heard him clearly say, it's not for everyone to know. So, Jesus spoke in parables to keep the truth hidden from the religious leaders and those who want to be self-justified in his day and in our day. And he still does it. So Matthew 13 and 13 says, Therefore speak I unto them in parables, because seeing they see not, and hearing they hear not, neither do they understand. But those who have ears to hear will hear and understand. So I walked out of the shop and spoke to Samuel about what happened, and we both agreed that we desired for all of them to come into the kingdom of God. So we interceded on their behalf. That's good. Have to do that. Our Lord interceded for us, and we are to pray for others, right? 1 Timothy 2.11 says, Exhort therefore first of all to make supplications, prayers, intercessions, thanksgivings for all men, who would have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Amen. Then Samuel called David Eels to ask for advice. David Eels then physically appeared in front of us. Uh, David was a, a, a little shorter. I think they're obviously on the other side of the world here. So the the way they run across our teachings is it comes up in front of them. <laughs> Books and, you know, audios, videos, whatever. So David was a little shorter than I have seen him in the videos. And his eyes were a bright blue, which physically they are not. <laughs> uh, Psalm 8 and 5, For thou hast made him but a little lower than God. That's what the verse that came. And crownest him with glory and honor. And blue eyes represents heavenly discernment of the light of the truth. Because it's the light that comes through your eye that goes into your body, right? So, Matthew 6 and 22, The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. I was surprised that he appeared instantly, but... I was so happy to see him, and I gave him a big, long hug, and I felt so much spiritual love for him, and I didn't want to let go of hugging him. I felt love, peace, and gentleness radiating from him. Philippians 1 and 8 says, For God is my witness, how I long after you in all the tender mercies of Christ Jesus. Amen. He then said, you need to go back in there and testify of the truth. Testify. That's a word that you can look into. Sharing a testimony of what a truth did for you is permissible for women, especially when you are speaking of lost religious people. (laughs) Uh, Teaching the younger women is also permissible. Titus 2 4 and 5, that they may train the young women 
to love their husbands, to love their children, and to be sober-minded, chaste, workers at home, kind, being in subjection to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. So there he tells you what a woman can teach in the Bible to the younger women. So let's hold it to that. He doesn't talk about them teaching doctrines and things like that. That's never said. Um, Teaching men the word should be left to the men, according to 1 Timothy 2 and 12. But I permit not a woman to teach, nor to have dominion over a man, but to be in quietness. So I walked to go back into the shop, and I heard David and Samuel interceding and speaking the word as I walked away. Uh, As an example to us, Jesus sent out the twelve and then the seventy men to teach the word of the kingdom. They were commissioned to go to all and be bold and stand with God and His Word. Acts 22 and 15 says, For thou shalt be a witness for him unto all men of what thou hast seen and heard. Deuteronomy 31 and 6 says, Be strong and of good courage. Fear not, nor be affrighted. At them, for the Lord thy God, he it is that doth go with thee. He will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Psalm 118 and 6. The Lord is on my side, I will not fear. What can man do unto me? I walked past a building that was right next to the Christian store, and I looked through the door, and I saw a lady lying on her back on a couch. I instantly saw in spirit that she was a witch. But in the natural, she looked like an attractive woman. She wasn't selling anything in this building, but it looked like she lived there. She had dark hair and light white blue jeans, or blue eyes, excuse me. Uh, Dark hair represents submitted to darkness, right? Her eyes represent a false light, which is similar to what I have seen in people in real life who are involved in the occult. So, this woman could uh, represent church denominations, and we know that rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, 1 Samuel 15 and 23. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as idolatry and teraphim. She was dressed very seductively with red lipstick, heavy eye makeup, and she was wearing a crop top, a short purple skirt, and long black boots. I saw into her soul and saw that she was intending to do evil. Well, Job 15 and 35 says, They conceive mischief and bring forth iniquity, and their heart Uh, prepareth deceit. In Proverbs 12 and 20, deceit is in the heart of them that devise evil. In Mark 7 and 21, from whom, uh, from within, out of the heart of men, evil thoughts proceed, fornications, thefts, murders, adulteries, etc. 
I saw that she would physically be resting in her shop, but through witchcraft in the spirit realm, she would seduce random people who walked past this building and would come in into her. She wouldn't always sleep with the people, but she would give them even more demons and lead them into deeper sin. Well, demons are transferred through sex and by accepting the thoughts uh, of lies and slander, gossip, etc., and by words of agreement with the sensual desires, uh, temptations of the lusts of the flesh, in other words. And we have uh, protection from all of this when we obey God and we keep His commandments. And He said, if you love me, you'll do this. So Proverbs 7, 5-13, through 13, that they, uh, that he's talking about the commandments and wisdom, uh, that they may keep thee from the strange woman, that's the harlot, from the foreigner that flattereth with her words. For at the window of my house I looked forth through my lattice, and I beheld among the simple ones I discerned among the youths a young man, void of understanding, passing through the street near her corner, and he went the way to her house. Mm-hmm. And in the twilight, in the evening of the day, in the middle of the night, and in the darkness, and behold, there met him a man, a woman, excuse me, uh, with the attire of a harlot and wily of heart. She is clamorous and willful. Her feet abide not in her house. And now she is in the streets and now in the broad places and lieth in wait at every corner. In verse 13, So she caught him and kissed him. The kiss represents her words, right? And that was verse 9 through 13. Proverbs 14 and 12 says, There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. She then tried to project witchcraft onto me, and I saw the witchcraft, which kind of looked like frequencies or rays of electricity coming out of her to touch me. It was blocked a few feet in front of me because there was a bubble of protection all around me in the spiritual, and nothing could get through the bubble. She was surprised at this, and couldn't comprehend what happened. So those who love the truth will be protected from their deceptions. Ephesians six ten through 13 says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might, and put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For our wrestling is not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities and against the powers and against the world rulers of this darkness and against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Wherefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. I blessed her and kept walking to the Christian shop. 
I was wondering why they set up a shop right next to a witch. Well, because they're also into witchcraft, right? The apostate church is compared to a harlot because they receive not the seed of her husband. And this is witchcraft. I went back into the store and I stood at a specific corner where I could see everyone in the room. I spoke to everyone who would listen, giving my testimony of the uh, truth of the word. I could see in the spirit and through walls, and I saw witchcraft projecting from the witch directly into this shop. It came out like tentacles and would wrap around a person and quickly pull them into where she was. It seemed that if the person's will and desire was to go where the woman was, they'd be taken. People were left in the shop if it wasn't their will to follow her. Well, First Samuel 15 and 23 says, For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness as the idolatry and teraphim. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord. In Hosea 4 and 6, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And because thou hast rejected knowledge, yes, I will reject thee, right? Second Corinthians 11 and 3, But I fear lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve in his craftiness, your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity and the purity that is towards Christ. I saw the long tentacle grab onto one Christian man, and he became aroused, and he ran out of the shop and into the other woman's shop. I then saw it happen again, but differently. This next person was not taken by physical arousal, but they had a weak spot of coveting, and they were convinced that by giving to the witch, they would get all the money that they wanted. It was as if this witch knew every person's weak spot, and she would attract each person using their weak spot. Well, the demons see and know in the spirit realm how to work in spirit groupings of seduction using the lusts of the flesh and the sin nature. But if they would submit to God's word and resist the devil, he would flee, as God says. I have seen people drawn into faction through selfish ambition, jealousy, and rejection. Yes, it seems very common. I watched this lady in spirit attract each Christian out of the store one by one like an octopus using its tentacles to draw its prey. And when the witchcraft would come upon each person, they would quickly change and would run over to where the witch was, not thinking about anything else. <clears throat> Every time the witchcraft would come, into the store, I would be supernaturally lifted up high to the roof where I could see everything. I was up so high that it couldn't touch me, nor could any human touch me. So that's kind of like dwelling in heavenly places in Christ, right? We are protected from the evil. 
I watched every person in the store get taken in the spirit into where the witch was until I was left alone in the store. So the Christians in this shop were part of the apostate church and not equipped with the spirit and the word, having no ability to fight against the temptations of the flesh. They were seduced by the harlot and her witchcraft. So they gave in to their lusts. God sovereignly protects His elect, and He will deliver them from the works of darkness at an appointed time. The enemy works to tempt people away from the kingdom of God and cause them to fall away. Okay, another revelation here. Apostate church vanity. Tiana Fire. 126.23 I dreamt that Samuel and I were driving and we saw this giant building to our left sitting on a very large area of land and it had a big cross on it. There were no cars parked outside so it looked like no one was there. Because we saw the cross we thought that we should leave them a sovereign God book. So we parked out front and went up to a window and looked inside the building. A few women were there, and when they saw us, they came out quickly. We did not want to talk to them. We only just wanted to leave the book and go. One of the women uh, that came out was a woman that worked at the grocery store. And she was always there when Samuel went to get groceries. So Samuel knew her. And another woman was the wife of a man that kept inviting us to his church. But we didn't want to visit his church. We now realize that this building was his church. They urged us to come inside, and we didn't want to hurt their feelings so we said we would come in quickly just to see the place. And when we went inside, it appeared 20 times bigger than what the outside looked like, like the megachurches, you know. One of the ladies told me to go to the children's section because I was carrying David. I honestly didn't want to, but I didn't want to upset her, so I just did what she said. Well, Proverbs twenty nine twenty five says, The fear of man bringeth a snare, and but whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. I walked to the back of the building and uh, entered this large colorful room that had an indoor children's playground and many children running around and there was a couple of people watching them play. I felt this was vanity and a distraction from Jesus. I then saw a poster listing different activities during the week for children, and one of them was like child daycare. And all the activities were vanity and had nothing to do with Jesus. Samuel and I prefer having David always with us. So I said, well... There's no reason for me to be here because we aren't doing the daycare thing and we only want to do things involving Jesus. 
So I turned to leave and go find Samuel, but I got lost in the large building. And there were so many different rooms and hallways, and everything was set up weird. The apostate church system causes confusion to ensnare people. True, true. Then a man came running out of a room and said something with much excitement for me to go and look where he just came from. I didn't want to be rude to him, so I just followed him, and he led me into a massive library, and all the walls and shelves were all sorts of bright colors. I commented on how I love all the bright colors, especially the bright uh, yellow. The attraction of bright colors arouses the senses and emotions to please the flesh. Proverbs 14 and 12 says, There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. There were people sitting around a table discussing a book that wasn't the Bible, and there were many large shelves with thousands of books. And I asked him about the books and about Jesus, and he said, uh, Most books here are not really about Jesus, and if they were, they contained incorrect doctrine. Which confused me because this was a church, so I expected everything to be about Jesus. Well, no, it's not that way, is it? The apostate church leaders write many books about another Jesus another gospel, and they merchandise the people. It's all their works of the flesh. Second Corinthians 11 and 4 says, For if he that cometh preacheth another Jesus, whom we did not preach, or if you receive a different spirit which you did not receive, or a different gospel which you did not accept, you do well to bear with him. 1 Timothy 6 and 3. If any man teacheth a different doctrine, and consenteth not to sound words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which is according to godliness, he is puffed up, knowing nothing. So I wondered what type of Bibles they had, and I couldn't find Bibles anywhere. I thought maybe I should leave a Sovereign God book here so God can lead the right person to find it. Hosea 4 and 1 says, uh, Hear the word of the Lord, you children of Israel, for the Lord hath a controversy with the inhabitants of the land, because there is no truth, nor goodness, nor knowledge of God in the land. The man that led me into this room started hitting on me, and I thought, this was crazy. This is a church and supposed to be brethren in Christ, and, and I am married. I ignored the man and ran out of there to go find Samuel, but I couldn't find him anywhere. I walked around the entire place searching for Samuel, and I saw all different types of people, supposedly Christians, all through although none, uh, one was uh, talking about Jesus. Nobody was talking about Jesus. I was wondering, uh, Jesus, where are you? I can't find you anywhere in this place, although they say that you are here, unquote. <laughs> well, like the Shulamite in Song of Solomon, uh, 
5 and 6. I sought him, but I could not find him. I called him, but he gave me no answer. The watchmen that go about the city found me. They smote me. They wounded me. I felt this whole place, which claimed to be a house of God, had all the world mixed in in with it, and the place felt corrupted and defiled, and I couldn't see or feel the presence of God anywhere or in anyone. Well, the apostate church is a mixed multitude. Uh, the world is Babylon from Babel, which means confusion and includes the harlot churches. And Matthew 23 and 28 says, Thus you also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but inwardly are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Hmm. The whole building layout was completely confusing and so easy to get lost, but I finally found the way to get out. And once outside, I noticed heaps of people all gathered around at a cafe and others standing around. And there were about 20 different small shops set up with many people everywhere. Well, this is how the mega churches are set up to draw the multitudes to network, socialize, and merchandising. I was confused as to why no one is talking about Jesus. I felt no Spirit of God there, and I wondered why Samuel is missing. At this point, I was disappointed that no one here really loves Jesus. I no longer cared what anyone thought of me anymore. That was part of the trap, right? Uh, worried about pleasing men, right? I didn't want to do what they all wanted me to do or think, and I had to be kind to them and agree to their requests. So I looked up at the sky and screamed out, Jesus! Jesus, where are you, Jesus? I think everyone around me thought I was crazy, but I wanted Jesus, and all these people claimed to be following Jesus, but clearly were not. Well, some in the apostate harlot churches are looking for Jesus, but they don't always find the real Jesus. Um, song uh, 3, 1 through 4. By night on my bed I sought him whom my soul loveth. I sought him, but I found him not. I said, I will arise now and go about the city, in the streets and in the broadways. I will seek him whom my soul loveth. I sought him, but I found him not. Well, he won't be on the broad road, right? No. The watchmen that go about the city found me, to whom I said, Saw ye him whom my soul loveth? It was but a little that I passed from them when I found him. So she had to leave them to find him, right? Whom my soul loveth. I held him and would not let him go until I had brought him into my mother's house and into the chamber of her that conceived me. So I started walking past the shops when this toddler ran up to me and told me that his father needed a new wife and asked me to be his new mom. <laughs> I kindly told him that I already have a husband and that he 
and then he ran back to his father. I thought this place was so strange. I looked into the shops as I continued to walk by. And in one of the stores, people were fighting, and I thought this isn't how children of God are to behave. Um, some people do fight about doctrines, you know, about sex and divisions and strifes and so on, which are works of the flesh, right? In another store, they were selling cigarettes and things like that, and I was shocked as we knew those things were wrong. And another store had people looking at me strangely as if I wasn't of this world. Well, that was true. We are not of this world. And as Jesus said in John 17 and 16, they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. And to the average Christian, we appear out of place. Yeah. Then in another store, a man catcalled. And at every store, everything was completely overpriced and had nothing to do with Jesus, and no one was manifesting the fruit of Christ. I kept saying, vanity, vanity, all is vanity. Ecclesiastes 1 and 2, Vanity of vanities, saith the preacher, Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. Well, it's like I have said so many times. Go home and read your Bible and find out what the church looks like before you go looking for a church. Because they do everything they can to trap you in there. And you could be stuck there for 40, 50 years making this very bad mistake. Go read your Bible, especially the New Testament, until you know what the church is supposed to look like. And everything in this supposed church was corrupt and had nothing to do with Jesus, and I couldn't understand why. I just wanted to leave, but I couldn't find Samuel anywhere. I finally got through these shops and into an area where there were no people, and I asked God what he wanted me to do. He told me to go back there, and I said, Lord, nothing there has anything to do with you, and it's all corrupt, and I don't want to go back. He told me to go back and tell them all about his real son, Jesus, and the truth. So I turned around and, I, and walked back the exact same way I came. I opened the door to uh, the first store and shared the real gospel and they rejected it, so I went to the next store and told them, and they wanted nothing to do with it either. Matthew 10 and 40. He that receiveth you receiveth me, and he that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. Luke 10 and 16. He that heareth you heareth me, and he that rejecteth you rejecteth me, and he that rejecteth me rejecteth him that sent me. Yes. I turned around and saw two police officers going around into the exact same stores that I had just left. It was as if they were following my steps. However, I felt that they were going to the places where I shared the truth and were exposing the corruption and arresting the evil. Well, the police here could probably be the angels who dispense God's chastening. Uh, Ephesians 5.11, 
and uh, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather even reprove them. I went into each shop sharing the truth, but they all rejected it. So I went into the cafe area and shared the truth there, but everyone just wanted to go on with what they were doing and justifying their sin and corruption. I wanted back into the children's area and library. I walked back into the children's area and library and testified of Jesus. Well, like Jesus taught his disciples and the Apostle Paul says in Acts 20 and 21, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks, repentance towards God and faith towards our Lord Jesus Christ. And 24, that I may accomplish my course and the ministry which I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of grace of God, ministering the gospel of Christ. I went to every person I saw and I told them the truth which finally led me to finding Samuel who was speaking to the leaders of this church. And as soon as I got next to Samuel, we walked straight out to the car and left. So that leads to one that's connected, I believe. Um, UBM House Sanctified and Protected. Tiana Fire, 425-23. I dreamed that Michael, David, and other brethren and I were living in my gramps, Alan's, old house. Alan means harmony, uh, little rock, and precious. So this house represents the house of God's chosen, or the elect, who are built on the rock, and which is Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 10 and 4, And did all drink the same spiritual drink, for they drank of the spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. In 1 Peter 2, 6 through 8, because it is contained in scriptures, behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be put to shame. For you, therefore, that believe is the preciousness. There's the precious, right? But for such as disbelieve, the stone which the builders rejected. The same was made the head of the corner and a stone of stumbling, and a rock of offense. For they stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. You know, whenever you find someone in whom Jesus lives, there is uh, within them a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. And uh, the things that they say and do uh, will bring offense to the wicked who want to do their own thing. And pretty soon the Lord weeds them out from you. On one side of the house was a very large lounge room where all the brethren would gather for prayer, Bible studies, and fellowship. And there was a long hallway that led to the other side of the house where all the bedrooms were located. David's and Michael's rooms were located upstairs on the next level. And in, uh, in other words, in an upper room, as overseers overlooking the others, she said. Upstairs, David and Michael had their own small living room area to seek the Lord and write up their teachings and receive from Jesus, that they received from Jesus. 
And I remember that they spent much, very much time there seeking God together and individually and praying and studying the Word. But they would share the Word with everyone in the lounge room in God's perfect timing. The brethren who cooked meals would sometimes bring food up to Michael and David because they were at times so focused and absorbed in the Word and Spirit of God. All the brethren had specific chores around the property, such as cleaning, cooking, gardening, and other important tasks, reliving uh, Michael and David, uh, relieving Michael and David and others so that they could spend more time with the Lord in prayer, worship, and the Word. Well, all of the members of the body of Christ have their gifts and individual roles uh, to serve and to edify each other. And uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and 14 teaches that. Uh, Acts Acts 6, 2 through 4, And the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not fit that we should forsake the word of God and serve tables. Look ye out therefore, brethren, among uh, you seven men of good report, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, whom you may appoint over this business. But we will continue steadfastly in prayer and in the ministry of the Word. So the kitchen area was in the center of the house. That's where the unleavened bread is prepared, right? Second Chronicles 7 and 7. Moreover, Solomon hallowed the middle of the court that was before the house of the Lord. And she said the house was set up on a hill, we'll call it Mount Zion, on a large amount of land, approximately five acres, which five is grace, right? Outside the house was a large covered area for gathering, and there was uh, a lake located at the bottom of the hill. The whole property was fenced, in other words, protected by sanctification. And on the adjoining neighbor's side were many trees and much bush so that there was uh, decent privacy. The neighbors were not able to come over the property line even if they wanted to. It was uh, as if there was an invisible shield or wall separating them from the neighbors, right? Well, the wall is sanctification from the worldly, right? They could only come in contact with us if we were off our private property or if we gave them permission to come onto our property. This is all spiritual, not physical. We just have to remember that. If we are uh, off the private property or giving permission, this represents giving place to the enemy by any sin of unbelief, rejection, criticism, unforgiveness, willful sin, etc. And uh, if you open the door, they will come through it. And when we walk uh, in holiness, which is the same word for sanctification, abiding in Christ uh, in heavenly places, the enemy is bound and cannot legally be on our property, which is our promised land, right? First Peter 5 and 8 says, Be sober, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour, 
whom withstand steadfast in your faith. Isaiah 35 and 8 says, And a highway shall be there, a way, and it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it, but it shall be for the redeemed. The wayfaring men, that's a, a traveler on a broad road, the wayfaring men, yea, fools, shall not err therein. One time I went into the large lounge room, and uh, towards the right of the room, uh, Michael, David, and some other brethren were there, deep in prayer, and on a table sat a laptop computer which was turned on. I looked at the screen and saw that they were watching a live conference of Satanists gathered from around the world. Mm -hmm. And all the brethren in the lounge room were in intense spiritual warfare and prayer against it. Yes, and you have to do that constantly because there are those that want to creep into you and into your presence and into your meetings with witchcraft. And I felt the conference being alive online represents all evil being brought into the light and nothing is hidden before God. And also the man, child, and bride body are in spiritual warfare praying down Satan's faction, witchcraft, and deep state attempts. As I watched, HRC, Hillary Clinton, appeared on the laptop screen, and I saw the pure evil and high-level fallen angels inside of her, and the presence of evil was so intense that I had to turn away from looking at it. Sometimes the evil spiritual realm is too intense for me, so I couldn't bring myself to look at the conference anymore. But I instead just sat further away and prayed in tongues, And I was in complete agreement with what the brethren prayed, and I knew that our prayers would be answered. Well, amen. And we also send the angels to bring down Satan and his his angels' dominion. Uh, We have been gaining great victories this way with much less effort, as in Revelation 12, 7 through 11. And there was war in heaven, Michael and his angels going forth to war with the dragon, and the dragon warred and his angels, and they prevailed not, neither was their place found any more in heaven. And the great dragon was cast down, the old serpent, he that is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was cast down to the earth, and his angels were cast down with him. And I heard a great voice in heaven saying, Now has come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down who accuseth them before our God day and night. And they overcame him. That's the saints. They overcame him because of the blood of the Lamb and because of the word of their testimony. And they love not their life even unto death. That will protect you. And by the way, this is what we've been doing. Casting down Satan out of the heavenlies. Revelation 12, right? 
And all the brethren were in intense prayer, and all day until it was just David, Michael, and myself, and my son David, still praying at around 3 a.m. Then I took my son David into our room uh, at the uh, other end of the house. Later, some brethren had to drive somewhere, and two men that I felt were like our bodyguards, probably angels, came to us and said the enemy was waiting for us. And from the house, there was a long driveway down the hill to the main road where we could only go uh, right to leave. We couldn't go left. There was only one way. Yep, you have to go to the right. That's where the sheep go, right? (laughs) Praise be to God. And we know that the Word of God, who is Jesus, the one way, path of righteousness, right? Suddenly our eyes were opened um, by an anointing. And we could see through walls, bushes, everything. And we were able to see on the main road where some people who were against us were hiding behind a bush waiting for us. That's an am bush. But because we were able to see the enemy's plans, we were able to avoid the danger and pray it down, and we knew what to do and what not to do. Well, the Lord reveals the enemy and their traps, and this has happened to us so many times, telling us what the faction was going to do, what the Satanists were going to do before they did it. It, It's happened so many times. And uh, so, all we had to do is pray against it. If you know ahead of time, you can pray against it, right? And bind. Amen. So, the Lord reveals the enemy and their traps and the hidden dangers by the spiritual gifts. Uh, In words of wisdom, words of knowledge, visions, gifts of discernment, dreams, and the angels also tell us of them. And when I was, when it was clear that they were able to continue, so they avoided that particular problem. And we've avoided many problems that way. We bound them before we came to them, and sure enough, the Lord took care of it. The neighbors in the house next door did not like us, and they were always devising plans of attack against us in some way. But by God's grace, their plans were exposed and always failed. That's the faction. That's what they do. Faction means division, right? God reveals the curses and witchcraft of the factious and the apostate leaders to us uh, through dreams and visions, and we can pray it down. I remember in the dream how one of these men repented to follow Jesus, and he joined us. The wife of one of these men also decided to follow Jesus, and she was on fire for God. She was pregnant and would uh, regularly fellowship with us, bringing her five children with her. She didn't want to leave her unbelieving husband because she believed that God would soon reveal himself to him too, so he would be saved. And 1 Corinthians seven thirteen and 14 says, And the woman that hath an unbelieving husband, and he is content to dwell with her, let her not leave her husband. 
For the unbelieving husband is sanctified in the wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified in the brother. Else were your children unclean, but now are they holy. 1 Peter 3, 1 and 2 says, In like manner, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that even if any obey not the word, they may without the word be gained by the behavior of their wives, beholding your chaste behavior coupled with fear. There was another uh, UBM camp a little further away in a wooded area. Um, The wooded area probably represents the wilderness. And the house was a large wooden cabin. We would regularly meet together for fellowship with the few brethren who lived there. And I don't remember what their area of ministering was, but it was different from the one that we were in. And I remember that they had a slide that went off the cabin deck and it went further down onto the property. This cabin in the woods represents the many other places of refuge that God has provided that are scattered all over the world. And some of these may be part of the UBM ministry. Well, amen. And um, I would like to say that All of this is teaching to help us to guide us around the the traps that the devil lays for people that keeps them from coming into more and more truth. We have to seek truth. If we ask God for truth, he will guide us to it. And if we love the truth more than we love the things of the world, we won't be distracted with them and uh, wasting our life because we're actually put on this earth to bear fruit And as I've said so often, God is coming for the fruit. He's not coming for the plant. Flesh and blood shall not inherit the kingdom of God. So what's so important to flesh and blood is the things of the world. Therefore, you have to take the lead uh, in your house away from the old man. He will lead you into a lot of vanity and uselessness and things that don't have eternal value. You, the spirit man, must take charge and um, in, in your own life, in your children's life, and so on. So this, uh, this will, of course, cause you to grow up quickly in the Lord. Many others are so distracted with the vanities of the world that they're not growing up. They're not go- gaining 30, 60, and 100-fold fruit. And they think that the glory is given to them uh, when they accept Jesus as their personal Savior, which is not a phrase used in the Bible at all. We're uh, without holiness, no man. This was spoken to God's people. Without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. Holiness and sanctification uh, represent and, and mean separation from the world and its pleasures and its vanity uh, and its lusts. Separation from the world unto God. Sanctified is what we need. And uh, it will be an eternal reward. Nothing on this earth, physical, can give you an eternal reward. You get that by your fellowship with the Lord and the Word of God. So, Father, we ask you and we praise you that everyone uh, listening today 
would uh, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added unto us and enable us, of course, to live in this world so that we can do the work of the kingdom. Amen. Well, thank you so much, saints, for joining us today. The Lord bless you and keep you, and I hope this has edified you. Uh, we go through, we try to put enough out there. Sometimes you have to go through our stuff twice and think on it and meditate on it. That's a good thing to do. Uh, you get more that way for sure. Um, the Lord bless you and keep you, and we'll do this again sometimes. Bye-bye. My thirsting soul, purest water made me whole. Let your streams of mercy flow, oh Jesus. I trust in you. Though the mountains fall into the sea, though the rivers rise, I still believe. Oh, your mercy stands and your word is true, oh Jesus. Jesus